everybody, thanks for tuning in to Coffee, Cows, and Crops. A uh, bit of a different episode to start off our summer. Uh, this episode, you'll probably notice, is part one. Uh, part two will be coming up next week. Uh, but in this episode, we're going to talk about grazing practices and uh, what uh, the grazing setup looks like on the Waldron Grazing Co-op. Um, next week's episode will discuss uh, watering systems and how those are set up on the Waldron. They've got some pretty neat water development plans and some conservation easements and that sort of stuff. Thank you for tuning in and uh, enjoy the episode. Coffee, Cows, and Crops is produced by the Peace Country Beef and Forage Association and hosted by Extension Coordinator Johanna Murray. On this podcast, we discuss management practices and research results with scientists, ranchers, researchers, and farmers. We strive to share innovative information and farming practices supported by sound science and practical wisdom. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get learning. Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Coffee, Cows, and Crops. Uh, today we get to do a bit of a different episode. Uh, I'm online with Sonia Bloom, the Environmental and Communications Coordinator from Foothills Forage and Grazing Association, uh, as well as Mike Roberts from the Waldron Grazing Co-op. So uh, Sonia, if you want to say hi, and then uh, Mike will get you to introduce yourself and how you got started with the Grazing Co-op. Good morning, everybody. Uh, pretty excited to be here. This is Foothills' first uh, podcast in partnership with PCBFA, so thanks for this. Um, my name is Mike Roberts. I've um, been the manager of the Walden Grazing Co-op for 13 years. I'm kind of a lo local boy. I uh, grew up in the area, and then I moved away for other career opportunities for 20 years, and then I was invited to apply for the job as the manager, which I thought was a great idea, and I did, and I got the job, and so I've been here for 13 years now. Awesome. And and before we get too, uh, too far in, into this, I guess um, I should ask, where, where in the province is the Waldron located? Where are you guys at? We are in the southwestern part of the province, uh, just north of the Old Man River, east or west of the Porcupine Hills and east of the Livingston Range of the Rockies. Uh, so we're in the what we would what they call the uh, the foothills region of um, southern Alberta. There's a high point on the ranch where you can see out onto the prairies to the east until the horizon disappears, and there's just farmland and and flat prairie. And if you look to the west, you can see the main range of the Rocky Mountains that runs through the continental. Uh, North America. So yeah, it, it's a quite a, it's a very beautiful area, like I said, and, and, but it's, it is, uh, it is, a, it is a environmentally harsh area. And I mean, we are here for but a short time. And, you know, people say, talk about building soil and, and, and about uh, making the environment better. But what is here now, it's been an evolution and development of over 12,000 years of nature. We can't, we can't hardly improve on nature, but we got to learn how to work with it and not deplete it, but to let it go through its own natural cycles and not interfere too much. That's, that's in our environment here, 
that is the um, we got to keep sight on that is that we can't try to change it too much it's the weather and the elevation and the frost-free days are just too restrictive to to um, to do any high production so you just work with it and and you enjoy it for what it is and uh, yeah life's good awesome so um I'm up here in the in the peace country, so a uh, little bit different country. Uh, I was wondering if you could give us a bit of an idea what the uh, typical weather and grazing conditions are in your area. Okay, well, uh, if you're in the peace country, we're dramatically different than you are. So um, <laughs> we typically get um, around 12, 13 inches of precipitation uh, through the summer months. But uh, we are in the Chinook Belt, and we get very strong Chinooks. Uh, this is one of the first ranches in Alberta. It was uh, established in 1883, and it was established here because it, uh, the environment relates itself well to all um, year grazing. And in the early days, they never put up any feed, and the cattle grazed year-round. Um, and it was pretty much... Uh, done that way for many many years and uh, nowadays we uh, of course typically feed somewhat but we strive to graze here for 10 months of the year so that um, would be the, from the first of June until the end of March uh, we don't have any cattle on the ranch for April and May because we want the grass to get a, a good start and if you graze it in the early stages it tends to set it back um yeah we uh, are in a high high wind um area like uh, for um sh the chinooks like i said it's good and bad i mean the wind can be annoying but it also does bring the warm weather our elevation here is uh between 4300 feet and and over 5000 feet above sea level and our typical grazing or growing days is between 90 to 100 days of actual growing days but i've seen substantial frosts on june the 21st and on august the 1st so it can be quite a harsh environment mike um for for some of our listeners not everybody is familiar with what a grazing co-op is do you mind walking us through what a grazing co-op is and how the waldron is unique in this space Okay, well, the, the Waldron Grazing Co-op was established in about 1960. At the time, it was a large um, privately owned ranch, and um, a group of rancher farmers, actually they were mostly farmers, they got together and they decided to buy this ranch, and uh, they paid one, $1 million for it. And in 1961, million dollars was extremely hard to come by, and banks weren't too favorable of on uh, lending money. So um, they formed formed a cooperative, and uh, at this time, there's 70 members in the cooperative, and according to how many uh, shares you own, that dictates how many cattle you can bring to graze. Um, the cooperative was formed so that uh, they could uh, achieve as a group with 
none of them could achieve as an individual. And uh, it has turned out to be um, particularly successful. And uh, the ranch is now probably worth more than $100 million. So it's been an extremely good investment. And it has really, really um, complemented the other the, the shareholders in become an integral part of their ranches and their grazing um, of cattle. Awesome. And what sort of pasture are you grazing on the Waldron? Is it mostly uh, tame or native perennials or annuals, that sort of stuff? Well, the ranch is, uh, covers a total area of 65,000 acres which is 101 square miles in one continuous block. And uh, of that, only probably 2,000 acres has ever been farmed at all. And that was mostly all back in the homestead days when uh, the land was being homesteaded because uh, originally the ranch in 1883 was all government lease. And then... um, it was open for homesteading in 1910, and but this is just not the climate for um, tillage and agriculture as a like a crop growing area. Not only is the climate not the greatest here for that, but there's also uh, geological barriers to keep the farmers from getting their produce to the railhead, which was um, rivers, there's a couple of rivers to the south, big ridges to the north and, and ridges to the to the east. So even if you could grow a crop here, it wasn't easy to get out. So uh, it's always been cattle country and uh, pretty much, uh, like I said, there's only about 2,000 acres that has ever been touched by a plow. So it's all pretty much native grass. And uh, so... We have learned over the decades on how to manage it um, and to, to work with the environment. That's awesome. Well, that's a great segue into the next question that we have. Um, being that you are primarily or almost all native grassland, can you tell us about your rotational grazing journey and how that has looked on the Waldron? Okay, well, myself personally, I, I've always been in interested in rotational grazing or cell grazing or you know it it comes by many names but basically it's just a uh, a more carefully managed grazing system is what it is so in 2008 when i started here we were having considerable uh, problems with wolf predation on our um, young cattle on the yearlings and that's been an ongoing problem since 1883. But in 2008, um, we lost 15 head of yearlings, and the neighbors lost 15 head of yearlings. So that's 30 head of cattle worth, you know, probably in the neighborhood of 1500 to $1,600 a piece. So that was quite a, a push to, to manage our cattle differently so that we didn't have to deal with this uh, predation because... It's not only the animals that are, or that are killed. It's it's also the stress on all the other animals from being chased around. So we moved the cattle 
we set out to move the cattle out into the open spaces out uh, where we could uh, take care of them better. And, uh, of course, we started with a mishmash of, um, of um, fencing and adding to the old fencing. And then here about three years ago, I decided, okay, this is working very well, and we want to continue it and to expand it. So we um, took all the old fences out, and we installed all uh, electric fence, and we uh, installed a water system. And uh, we now have 5,000 acres uh, fenced into 50-acre paddocks. And uh, each of those paddocks has water, uh, a water trough in the corner that um, supplies four paddocks. And um, so we've, we've been very happy with it to just give us total control over those uh, cattle. And uh, back in the country where the wolves were giving us lots of uh, problems, we put cows with calves. And the, and the cows will fight the wolves to protect their calves. And so we've had, uh, well, I think in the last three years, we haven't had any predation whatsoever. It sounds like it's been a great um great change for the cows. Can you talk to us a little bit about if you've noticed any changes in the health of any of your pastures that you've done this uh, cell grazing in? Well, the, this native grassland evolved with grazing herds of animals uh, such as bison and elk and antelope and, and all the, the mixture. And even way before that, grazing herds of um, giant bison and woolly mammoths and you name it. They, the whole grassland has was evolved along with those grazing animals, and the animals, of course, were not fenced. They were not controlled in any way, so they would graze through, and they would um, graze the grass, and then they were gone. And so, with this um, cell grazing, we're trying to mimic that as close as we can. So, what we'll do is we will put the cattle in a pasture for three days. So it's only being grazed for three days of the year, which is something like 99% of the time it's resting and it's recouping its, um, its uh, energy back into its root system and stuff. So that is the way the grass evolved. And so that is w the way we're trying to work with the, the nature of the grass. And we've noticed that since we've started this, that any bare spots like cattle trails or salting areas or just areas where the cattle like to congregate, they've all vegetated back in again, and they're, they're all full of, of uh, vegetation where before they were just patches of bare ground. So, um, and we, are, we haven't been in a drought situation lately, but... Um, I think that we'll be far more successful in riding through a drought because the root system of the plants should be extremely healthy and gone way down into the soil because it has uh, had these rest, huge rest periods. That makes sense. Well, it makes sense, it makes sense to us. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's uh, instead of fighting the environment, like this is a harsh place, and, and to fight the environment is just beating your head against the wall. So mm -hmm. you got to learn how to work with it to get 
the the most out of it, but still do it in a sustainable manner. I mean, we all know how to raise the biggest calf, and that involves a lot of input from fossil fuels and and fertilizer and equipment. But how to raise an economical calf, that is the true test. Definitely. Um, so on, on the note of economic calves and that sort of stuff, have you, what are the sort of efficiencies and, and challenges you've run into with that large scale rotational grazing? Well, to, to put the, to install the rotational grazing, it costs $36 an acre. And that covers the fencing, the water, the troughs, um, the piping for the water and the labor. So if you take that infrastructure and you divide that over 20 years, that's $1.80 an acre. You can't even buy a chocolate bar for $1.80. <laughs> so with that type of investment, you have a very low investment when you look at it over a 20-year period, which it'll easily last 20 years without very little, with very little maintenance. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that we have found that we have tripled our carrying capacity on those acres. And now, is that sustainable in the long term? Maybe not. Maybe double. But even for $1.80 per acre, it doesn't take much to recover those costs. So the thing is, is um, the cattle are healthier. They seem to be more settled they don't travel around very much um our gains are very similar to what they are in the, just leaving them out in the open let them graze huge areas for for months at a time and but our labor per animal has gone down considerably because when they're in those cells of course they're moved every three days so we get to look at every animal every third day as it walks by us. And uh, one man does it with a quad, and the cattle become very comfortable with the quad. And then we also um, treat with a, a dart gun. So anything that gets sick, we treat with, with antibiotics with a dart gun. Mm -hmm. So there's very, very little stress on the cattle, and they're very, very quiet. And um, right now we have... Uh, or this last grazing season, we had 1,800 head of cattle there, and we ran them over, uh, well, they had a 5,000-acre area to graze, but we didn't use it all. And um, one man looked after the entire thing. And another thing that makes it very good is when one of our shareholders decides that they want to market their cattle, it takes us about an hour and a half to get the cattle into a corral and to sort out the cattle that we need. Before, when we had them on the more open range grazing system, a week and a half, when we still may not have them all because it was just such a large area and so difficult to get them out. So this way we have more uh, uh, management ability because they're in closer and uh, they're quiet and and it's 
we there's a lot of benefits that came along that we didn't actually realize we're gonna to, that we were gonna see. For sure. Um, um, and actually, right now we've this this particular year we had probably two thousand acres. No, not two thousand. Well, it wouldn't be far off. About two thousand acres of um, grass that we never grazed in the growing season. So we are now grazing it with cows in the winter season here. And uh, we're quite impressed with how well they're doing because they don't go in to a large field and go through the whole field and just cream the crop. And then a little later on, then they got to eat all the seconds. And then later on, they got to eat all the thirds. And uh, this way, they go into a 50-acre paddock. Um, within one week, they have it all grazed, and then they move on to another fresh pasture that has a good mixture of plants that are high in protein and high in energy, and, and then the other poorer grasses, and the cattle got to eat all of it, and they got to do that within seven days. And uh, it's quite impressive how well they're doing excellent mike okay well we have one more question we don't want to take uh too much of your time yep no problem um it's very clear that you're quite passionate about what you're doing so um i'm curious to know what your favorite part of your operation is and why uh, my favorite part of the operation is the freedom of expression i have a great group of people that i work with the the directors and the shareholders and um they trust me to make good decisions for the ranch. And uh, so then, you know, I, I make the decisions or, and I put it to the board. I put a plan to the board. They tell me, yes, they agree with it, but they don't get involved in the details. They let me do it and they let me do it my way. And they trust that that is going to be a well thought out and economically viable way and so i have that freedom of expression so i can own the project and to me like you said i'm very passionate about it so to be able to to be given the ability to own the project and do it the way that i envision it to be done is very rewarding all right uh that's the end of part one of this episode Part two will go up next Tuesday, as I said at the beginning. So, uh, until then, thanks for listening. Peace Country Beef and Forage Association is a research and extension group based out of Fairview, Alberta. Our mission is to help producers thrive in an agricultural system that is profitable, regenerative, and attractive to future generations. To learn more about what we do and see the results of our research trials or our archive of newsletters and fact sheets, check out our website at peacecountrybeef.ca. Want to get in touch? Have a burning question or a topic suggestion? Send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thanks for listening!